And welcome back to the Posh Cockney Podcast. You're listening to Liam Norvell and this is Hospitality News brought to you by the Industry Titans. I hope everyone had a great weekend and a big thanks to Asha Grant for coming on the show last Friday. I really hope everyone enjoyed that. And let's move on to today. Today we've got a gentleman called David Singleton. And for those of you that don't know David, he runs a company called Socius Group out in Dubai. I met David at the Griff Conference in Amsterdam earlier on this year. And the guy is fascinating. He had the whole room wrapped around him and his enthusiasm, his energy and his knowledge is literally mind-blowing and I'm so delighted to have him on today's show. We're going to talk about the Middle East right now and how the UAE is combating the coronavirus and we're going to go right into his hospitality journey where he started from a a waiter to being uh, one of the top guys at the Hard Rock Cafe and now runs a a business development group in Dubai. Today's show is actually sponsored by Utilitrack. As one of the UK's leading utility consultants, Utilitrack help businesses spend less on their utilities. I really appreciate their support and I really appreciate your support listeners thanks so much for all the feedback and i'm sure you're going to enjoy this one and welcome back to the posh Scotney podcast hospitality news brought to you by the industry titans and today's titan is david singleton david how are you hey hello how are you everybody it's good to have you on the show thank you liam it's good to be here and uh and it seems ages since i last saw you i think it was the last industry conference in amsterdam wasn't it was it the last industry conference of the year I, do you I, think yeah, probably yeah probably and there's the, we've all gone virtual now with griff you know so so you know with hospitality tomorrow so it's a huge it's, it's just gone mental virtually now so yeah, yeah. Uh, which is good so uh, we'll see each other in the in the various chat rooms and, and stages virtually now so which is yeah. quite cool and uh, you're living in Dubai at the moment aren't you yes I'm, I'm here in Dubai uh, where, which um, uh, I suppose we feel quite safe here to be honest with you you know we've, we've had an extraordinary long period of lockdown I've, I've lost count of weeks of lockdown uh, we've had three weeks of complete lockdown where we had one hour every three days where we could go out and yeah. previously to that we had quite long curfews uh, of lockdown and now our curfews are shortened we're allowed out now we can exercise outside now uh, a lot of restrictions on gloves and masks and so on and so forth but, yeah so uh, it is a lot better now thank thankfully in dubai david we, we don't get to see the sort of numbers and stats like we do in, in the uk mm. how is the government in the middle east dealing with the, the numbers and, and the casualties the latest numbers are this twelve thousand, and, and you know this is as of uh, what day is it say so Friday morning, the 1st of May, 12,481 have been diagnosed with COVID-19, 105 reported deaths, and 2,429 have recovered. The UAE has been brilliant at testing. So over a million residents, which is 10% of the, of the population there or thereabouts, have been tested. They've been very, very proactive with testing, very proactive with locking down. They can lock this place down in a minute. Yeah, they yeah. really can. And, and, and the population have been very responsive. The, the country has been in, in lockdown, you know, since this started, you know, the, they stopped flying, they closed uh, the malls, they closed shops. They yeah. closed restaurants and we weren't allowed out. And uh, we were allowed out uh, with a permit. So you had to apply online for a permit yeah. and we all digital. And, and because it was digital, they could control crowds. So if there was a, a, a particular supermarket where we had applied to go to at a particular, so if there was a three o'clock on Saturday, loads of people had asked to go to the spinnies at Motor City uh, they would just stop it. They, you wouldn't get your permission to go. So, yeah, yeah. great, actually. So it has been good. Uh, yeah. We're not out of it yet by any stretch. And um, 
and to that end, which is why they've allowed this gentle easing of restrictions here now. So, um, and when, when yeah, was that last week? The... That, that was on that was a week ago, so that was on, on the first day of Ramadan actually, or the holy month of Ramadan now. And uh, so it came out quite suddenly, none of us were really expecting it or prepared for it. So, uh, the industry, industry has been reacting very, very quickly to it, and uh, and the municipality departments have been responding very well, very, very detailed um instructions on how to open what you can do how to apply to open etc yeah, yeah so restaurants and cafes can open 30 percent of their space now malls can allow 30 percent of their footfall in uh, you know we can go to the barber again we, you know the girls can go to the salons again to have their nails done a lot of social distancing and uh, and care has been taken uh, but health and safety is paramount you know, yeah, the um, the municipality have been literally cleaning the streets. Yeah, they've had these drones going down streets, you know, spraying streets and uh, and cleaning right across the city wow. while we're all in lockdown. And it has been extraordinary. And uh, and I think for people to trust the city, and this goes for any city, uh, trust is going to be really important. You know, how seriously are we taking hygiene? How seriously are we taking health? Uh, factors and uh, and for for Dubai that had 16 nearly 17 million people tourists come to Dubai last year that's a big number yeah and right now there's no, there's no planes flying and there's there's, you know, yeah Emirates aren't going to start flying until July you know there's been some repatriation flights but that's it you know yeah. uh, this is an island at the moment thankfully yeah. so it, it's been good but uh, we know that it's a long haul out. I was just doing an interview with somebody else uh, just before I've come to do this. And um, you, you know, there's a chance that we're now into Ramadan. So that's a month. Nothing happens in Ramadan. You know, it's a yeah. holy month of reflection. We then go into a very long summer, you know, 45, 50 degree heat. You know, not a lot normally happens over the summer. So we should start seeing uh, an easing September, October. You know, may, maybe they'll ease some restrictions a bit more. Yeah. And then we go into the new year. Ramadan is earlier next year. Every year it moves at 10 days earlier. So, and then we go into another long summer. So, do you know what? We could be in for a year and a half before wow. we end up recovering in wow. the Dubai market. And, uh, you know, when I talk to other markets, you know, when I talk to Asians and Americans and English, I, I see this craziness in America where, you know they're opening up they're, you know come on let's let's get industry rolling again yeah whoosh um you know we saw it in asia where they said exactly that let's reopen and they had this enormous you know the cafes and restaurants and shops were full immediately and then we saw this double spike yeah um, which want... is everyone's worst nightmare isn't it yeah to, to have that it so is and we see the english prime minister boris johnson you know cautioning against uh, a, a second spike and yeah. uh, and the government are absolutely right to say, hold on, hold on. You know, we're just seeing now this, this plateauing, perhaps. You know, people are getting used to staying in now. You know, there's yeah. not as mad friends. Yeah, you know, we've got to go to Richmond Park and hang out with our pals and feed the ducks. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's not so much a priority now. Yeah. Being safe and staying, home, staying at home is. And yeah. uh, so um, it, it's a long journey for industry generally and i say industry again an abbreviated commas not so much for the industry that i represent yeah and hospitality 
retail, it will be totally reimagined. How we go shopping again for our clothes. Yeah. Do we want to try on that shirt that somebody might have tried on maybe half an hour it's ago? It's scary, isn't it? It's scary yeah. to think of all the, the nobody really knows it. You sort of laugh and joke with friends and family, you know, about what, what it's going to be like after. But, um, you know, if you really think about it and, and talk to people like yourself and, and yeah. really go in depth, it I mean, it's it, well. It's the the questions are endless, aren't they? You know, and I, I, I'm working with a designer at the moment. You know, but we're saying, you know, everyone's asking me, what does a post-COVID era look like? No one really knows. No. It's our job to shape a post-COVID era. You know, history in hospitality and retail is written now. Yeah, you know, that that's down now. We're now writing the next chapter and and what it looks like. And and my challenge to, to the designers, what, what does an all-day restaurant in a hotel look like now? Yeah. You know, yeah. with social distancing, there are going to be some people that are going to be more sensitive to eating or drinking in crowds or, or with their chums around a table at 10. But yeah. I think there are going to be a, a big population that is going to be much more sensitive to it but you know you, you've got six or eight or ten thousand square foot you've got film now what mm-hmm. how how do you make it look attractive how do you keep the vibe how do you keep the music rolling and how does staff service now how do we minimize contact time what's the journey to the bathroom like you know all these things you know yeah. that we have to take into consideration so we're doing a little interesting project on that to try and imagine what does a QSR restaurant or a full service restaurant find dining now? You know, yeah. all these things are so high touch, aren't they? And you forget, yeah. you take it for granted, don't you? Well, I'm sure many people ask your advice because of uh, what incredible career you've had so far today. So let's tap into that, actually. Why don't you tell our listeners on, on the Posh Cotney podcast, who is David Singleton and where you've come from? Sure. You know, when people ask me, I, I'm just a restaurant guy. You know, I, I've worked in restaurants for probably 35 years now. I started years ago as a waiter by accident. You know, I saw a little postcard in a post office, you know, commie waiter required, you know, for a holiday in over at Windsor and didn't know what a commie waiter was for a startup I just needed a job yeah. and, uh, and I remember I went to see the restaurant manager a French guy called Pietro Delosa and he asked me the question he said why do you want to be a waiter in a restaurant like this and the fact was I'd never been to a, a five-star restaurant before you know I was 17 years of age and as kids we couldn't afford this luxury and uh, and I said Actually, I don't really want to be a waiter and he said oh he said what do you want to be and I said I want to be a restaurant manager. I want to be like you. And and from there on, he took me under his wing and he taught me. And, you know, when you're a kid, you you, you know, uh, you've got energy and you can work hard. So I'd pull an eight-hour shift in the restaurant and then I'd pull an eight-hour shift in the kitchen or an eight-hour shift on room service or on reception. And I I really did learn my craft with him and in the hotels. And uh, very quickly, I I left. (laughs) You know, once I'd earned my stripes there and, and a few years later, I was a restaurant manager and I moved to Mitchells and Butler and I worked my way up there doing a lot of developing and running uh, restaurants and uh, ended up then developing some restaurant brands with them and the last job I had that people might know now is that you know, we created the premium country dining group and that was you know that was recreating the gastro pub if you like to call it we didn't like to use that word but the premium country pubs in the leafy suburbs of England yeah. and we created 83 of those in eight years we had a great time we wow. worked with a small entrepreneurial pub company 
company with Paul Salisbury and Paul Hales up in Warwickshire. And we combined our entrepreneurial partners with the big corporate giant. And we were left alone to create and run these pubs. And some of the people that we worked with, you know, they, they weren't people. They, were, they became our friends and our family, you know. And uh, we, we recruited from around the world, from Australia and the Antipodeans that are so great at tables. And we'd go into Eastern Europe and, and get passionate people that would work with us and as well as you know locals in English and yeah. but we wanted to create this real diverse team and uh, and I worked with MB for a very very long time and um, until such time I thought I, you know I've done enough here I want to go and do my own thing and my own thing ended up working in Russia I wasn't out of work for long and I had my creative agency and as a small team of us headed out to Moscow to as a strategic um, leadership team to turn the company around really you know they had Russia's largest restaurant brands or chain restaurant brands and my job was really to go and revitalize Il Patio which was a 130 strong chain of Italian restaurants around Russia and the CIS it's mm. fascinating and we had a Japanese brand we had TJ Fridays we had Costa Coffee and and uh, so we very quickly learned how to speak Russian how to drink vodka at happy hour <laughs> and uh, and learned a, an amazing culture and a lot of those memories and those skills I learned stay with me now actually yeah, yeah. change you going internationally and and I would encourage anybody to do that. If anybody, it's a big piece of advice I give people. If you have the chance to work internationally, just do it. Yeah. You know, get out there, get out of your comfort zone, learn another language, learn another culture, get uncomfortable. And, uh, and it, was, it was really great. And then from there, and the timing was amazing. I just finished a, a consulting role with Mercedes Benz and, and I created a, a restaurant for them, their first ever restaurant called Mercedes Me, to launch the A-class Mercedes into yeah. Russia. It was a fascinating journey. And just as the ruble was tanking, you know, the had the Crimea annexing, which was terrible for the country. And uh, I'd walk down the street with my colleagues and we'd be mistaken for Americans. So we, we'd get a lot of grief on the streets, actually, being mistaken for being Americans and what are you doing to us and all the rest of that. It's all right, really time to go now, isn't it? Yeah. And timing is all about everything. And, and some headhunters were uh, tapping me up to come and work in Dubai. And I, and I had three different opportunities to come here. And I and I joined Altaya, and Altaya is a is an incredible family business, you know, with a lot of business streams: automotive, property, real estate, beauty, fashion, jewelry, all sorts. And they had a and they had a beautiful hospitality portfolio of a dozen different restaurant brands. You know, we had Armani, we had Cafe Nero, Ocean Basket, uh, Magnolia Bakery, brands from all over the world. And I also had the opportunity to develop our own brands as well within that. And I did that for four years until Hard Rock. International came calling, had a knock on the door, and uh, and I was told by a headhunter, I've got just the job for you. We think, or well, you'd suit hard, right? Oh, blimey, is that because I'm getting old, or uh, <laughs> or or, I'm, or I got good taste in music, or what was it? And um, and I worked with Hard Rock International, uh, running their cafe business, the franchising business across Emir and South Asia. So that took in Africa, which was a territory I'd never worked in, Russia, Europe, South Asia, I'd never worked in South Asia. So from Nepal, India, down to Sri Lanka. And as well as the Middle East. And, and I was like, and I, and I treated it a bit like being a non-exec on loads of different small companies around the world, really, working with franchisees and helping them grow their business. 
some really challenging uh, businesses, you know, up in Iceland, for example, you know, that's challenging. And then building the business and growing the brand and designing these amazing hard rocks, you know, and the, you know, they call them monuments. You know, they want to build a, a monument of a hard rock because you've only got one in every city as you go around the world. Yeah. So do it and do it right. And, uh, and with the next one, I was very proud of the deal we did in Newcastle with an entrepreneur up there in Newcastle. And that will open this year. Uh, and that's on site. So I enjoyed working with a lifelong fan of Hard Rock who had amassed some wealth and uh, and a big business, sold his business and wanted to open a Hard Rock in Newcastle. Yeah. And and, it, and it's not conventional because, you know, I had this view that actually you've got to be a restaurant guy to open a restaurant. And, uh, uh, and, I, and I believed in David and Penny Tilly. I believed in them and they promised to do everything I asked. And this is their business. I said, I'll let you have this. If you do as I ask you, you surround yourself with amazing people and they're from the restaurant industry. Otherwise, you will fail and Mm. all this effort in your dream will go down the pan. And they did and they have and they're doing it. And uh, and I can't wait to go and see that. But then um, I've always had this calling really to do my own thing. You know, I was taking a lot of phone calls as to, to help other people. And I couldn't really, whilst I was doing what I was doing with, with Hard Rock. And uh, towards the end of last year, 2019, I decided I would do another crazy thing. I leave this amazing organization and go and set up or go and join a, a business, you know, Associates Group here in Dubai, which is essentially a, a business development company. It's very simple. And what I do, I work with my business partner, Simon Hobart, and we work in the hospitality, retail and the service sectors and we advise and we support people with their growth strategies and uh, we help people come into the market so we have a big uk company absolute taste that we're supporting in the market and we've helped them establish their company and find their leadership team to serve expo 2020 and that's no ordinary business you know they will have 1300 people on their payroll to service that bit of business right through to helping entrepreneurs who have a product that they can franchise. Yeah, I'm working with a uh, transformational coaching company now, helping them grow in the, in the region. Transfer, there's never been a more important time than the need for transformational leadership and coaching. You know, the role of the leader now to the role of the leader that was required three months ago is very, very different. Nobody knew about this pandemic. Nobody really thought they had to plan for crisis management. And then what? What happens? Yeah, how do we come out? Out of this hole we're in so are leaders born in these sorts of times as well some are yeah some are uh, you know and people react in different ways don't they some panic and make bad decisions some put their head in the hand and pretend nothing's going on some reach out for help and and form a cooperative of people and great ideas one of the things we did Liam was um, out of this we formed the Middle East Restaurant Association and we've been working on it for quite some time and this is a group of business leaders or industry leaders here in Dubai, where three years ago we sat down and said, you know what, this industry needs a voice. And for a long time, we've been trying to find a way to establish an association, which isn't easy in the Middle East. You know, there are lots of reasons why you can't and how you can't. Um, but we found a way to set it up and establish it. And we launched it a month ago. To What's that called? The, it's the Middle East Restaurant Association. And we call it MIRA for sure. Okay, um, yeah. So, um, so is it the equivalent to the UK hospitality 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. that. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. And um, you know, there, there are a lot of big companies here that are well resourced. You know, both financially and organisationally, with the ear of government offices. But you know, amongst however many restaurants, what is there? Eleven and a half thousand restaurants in this market. A lot of them don't have that infrastructure. You know, the, your landlords are saying, "Well, you might be closed, but you still got to pay me. You've got a lease, haven't you?" So yeah, oh, my life. And uh, we've become their voice. And and this week, you know, we submitted a letter to the government representing the industry you know, with a lot of asks and requests for them. You know, we're not a lobbying group by any stretch, but we, we've got solutions to the problems that are out there, you know, and the government have 21 different sectors to look after. You know, it's not just the hospitality industry, even though we are 10% of the workforce, 3.6% of GDP. That includes oil, by the way. We're a big sector that is not understood, you know, for a government or for anybody, yeah, for that matter, uh, to say you can only open 30% of your restaurant. We've still got all the costs that go behind that. You know, you don't, as you well know, and and, and, the, and the listeners will know, you can't just turn up with 30% of your workforce and your cost base. So it's helping the departments understand, you know, the pressures that the industry are under. You know, they paid the March salaries. They might not be able to pay their April salaries. Mm. If they don't pay their April salaries, that's against the law. Yeah. You know, not only you know, have we got employees who can't live and eat now, uh, it's actually against the law and you go to jail. Wow. Yeah. So we, we, we've become this voice for them to say, these are the problems and these are the solutions. And how have they reacted to that? Yeah, they've reacted very positively. Uh, and as I say, we're, we're one of a number of sectors that have gone to them. We've offered them uh, ear, you know, come and t- use us and we can help you. And they've been good. Yeah, we only submitted this week and we hope to get some positive reaction to them. In a similar way that Kate... Kate uh, Nichols. Yeah, Kate Nichols way back in January 27th or something like that. She went and knocked on the door at 10 Downing Street and said, you know yeah. what, there's a tsunami heading our way and we have to deal with it. We weren't able to react that quickly. There wasn't a Kate Nichols here. And so we, we've become that voice here. Honestly, in the last few weeks, my email and my phone has just got busier and busier and busier. We discovered these groups of restaurants in pockets of the city who already have these shared WhatsApp groups. Yeah. And, and they're talking to each other and we're tapping into them. And then we, we did a session Griff webinar in the week. Immediately after that, another WhatsApp group was formed. And I looked at it today and there are 217 people on it. Wow. Like that. Wow. Uh, so, uh, and thankfully, they're, they're forming a great support to us. And uh, and so we can reach out to them. So there's more to come on that. And um, uh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll hope that we can support the industry come through this and, and advise them and bring and kind of match make people, you know, um, where if there is you know, a group, there's a hundred restaurants in one part of town now want to form their own aggregator. They want to form their own app because they're tired of these massive fees. You know, we're yeah. relying the delivery industry now aren't we and the aggregators but you know they're making no money no one's making any money out of this so they're trying to find a way to make money so um you know as a group of of businessmen they're saying listen we've got money if all we do is take a couple of hundred pounds off everyone in our community of 500 outlets 
100 pound, we've got a big fun there. We have desire, we have passion, and we have a great need here. We need some help. You know, can you help us? Sure, yep. we can help you. It's actually quite humbling, you know, where, and, and again, I say this, and, and you don't realize until you do get a bit older. And uh, and if you have listened to the leaders that you've worked with, and I'm blessed, I've worked with amazing people over the years. You gather this thing called wisdom, I think, that you're able to pass on to people in the industry, both young, young people who I might mentor, and, yep. and I'm of a couple of mentor programs here but right through to advising businessmen who were once entrepreneurs whose business has grown because it's really really good you know it's just grown organically yeah you know these guys have created i mean it could be a a shawarma house it could be a juice bar or a coffee house and and all of a sudden now you know a month ago things were going great you know they'd come along in the morning they'd have their chai or have their um shakshuka in the morning but now they can't you know the yeah cupboard's bare now it's fascinating learning we're meeting so many people and i don't know if, i'm sure the viewers are found you've found this Lynn. you know i've met more people in the last six weeks exactly than ever before yeah 100 percent. yeah my, my, my day starts at six in the morning where i sit on my terrace overlooking the golf course here with a cup of coffee and i'll go through my morning routines and uh, and then i'll sit at my desk after seven eight o'clock and, and my goodness it's it's an exhausting day talking to people either broadcast or working with a group or doing you know, moderating or develop on all these little developments that yeah. we've got going as well yeah. you know it's it, and you know people are reaching out so many people are reaching out you know saw you on a webinar can we have a catch-up and I think if this isn't a period where we don't develop ourselves there will yeah. never be a better time to develop yourself I think yeah there's never been a better time to self-develop improving your business improving your family life it's a very unique time and you have to take the opportunity before we go on to hear some more of that wisdom we're going to take a break now and hear from our sponsors after the break we're going to come back and talk about griff where we first met we want to hear about hospo live we've been seeing so much on social media about that so after the break we'll come back okay Hello, it's Gerard from Utility Track, and we're delighted to be sponsoring today's podcast. We've a couple of tips for you. In the current pandemic, your business is going to be using less gas and electricity. So do make sure where it's safe to do so that you provide regular meter readings to your supplier. This will prevent you overpaying and building up an unnecessary credit. And don't just cancel your direct debit. Most utility contracts have a price discount built into them for paying by DD. If you can Cancel that direct debit, you're likely to pay a penalty. And we're back. Thank you for our sponsors, Utility Track. David's still with us. So, David, I met you at Griff in Amsterdam. Tell the listeners what Griff is. Griff is the Global Restaurant Investment Forum. It's a group of industry leaders in Dubai. And uh, what, what we do is um, we run a, some fascinating conferences around the world, primarily in Dubai, but we, we've been to London. We've been for three years in Amsterdam. We've been to Africa. We've been to Asia and and we network and we bring great people together we bring great minds uh, together this year our conference was all about evolve you know how do we evolve the industry and i think you said earlier it's probably one of the last industry conferences uh, of the year probably mm. and um, uh, and through the uh, through the parent company bench events you know we've we've now gone virtual with our conferences so uh, so griff is now forming part of hospitality tomorrow and mm. if, if you just Google that, you know, we... Um, I've seen it on LinkedIn. It looks fantastic. It, looks, it, it, looks it some is. Great, some great players there. 
Oh, it's extraordinary. You know, and a few weeks ago, we had six, I say we, it's Stench and through Jonathan Walsley and his team, had six and a half thousand people register for this conference around the world, um, moderated by Stephen Sackett from the BBC. At any one stage time on the main stage, we had two and a half thousand people. And then in round tables outside the stage, we had a thousand people Mm -hmm. and then a networking event. And so, I mean, it's been fascinating. It really has been. And then Griff, you know, of which we sit on the advisory board there, most of, the, most of those board members, in fact, all of them formed uh, Mirror, the Middle East Restaurant Association. So we really are, uh, I'd like to think, the voice of the hospitality industry here in the UAE, and probably yeah. the Middle East, actually. And that's who we are. With it being the Global Restaurant Investment Forum, investment after this pandemic, do you think that's going to take, that's going to be, I mean, where, where's that going to be? Is there going to be lots of opportunities for people or will there be a pause in, in that side of the business? It's interesting, isn't it? It's definitely pausing. There's no question. Uh, and around the Middle East, there are different levels of pause. Saudi Arabia, for example, where you read about the giga projects that are going on there. They're still happening. Yeah, you know, I had a couple of meetings this week about you know, some briefs on some of these just I mean, they're giga projects. I mean, we're building new cities and towns there. Uh, yeah. Extraordinary developments there. That's still going on. Some hotels are, are rethinking about how do they reopen. A lot of hotels are simply shut down till September, October here now. And so we've, we've got some restaurant brands here. The, the Cinnamon Club that some of your uh, listeners will know in London, that we, we, we're, we're bringing them to Dubai and we'll open with Vivek Singh in uh, the Park Hyatt in September, all yeah. being well. So, so that's exciting. So there's a few projects like that going on. Is construction still going on in Dubai at the moment? Yes, yes there is. Yes, yeah. there is. Because in London, oh, it's London that hasn't stopped. So, so my client, yeah. Plant Bosporus, that's uh, due to open this year, the construction is still going ahead. It's all moving forward that that end, but other projects that we're working on have been paused that were just about to go to construction stage. It's not in a way that we knew. So, yeah, there are fewer people on site, no question. And if you imagine the Expo 2020 site, you know, 20,000 people working on that location. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's an extraordinary site. You know, so construction has obviously slowed down on that project and we're waiting to see what will happen with an eventual delay to that project. The big pause button has been hit, there's no question. Mm-hmm. What, what this government in Dubai are brilliant at is uh, innovation, entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they will find ways to open up new markets and, uh, and breathe life into Dubai and in the, in the Middle East here, I, I think, uh, in, in ways that are different around the world, where we see in, in the UK market where the government are pumping billions into into what is a survival mode at the moment yeah keeping sure. it alive it's like the big governmental defibrillator has gone boom, boom, you know and uh, you know so we've done one shot now we've gone one round now we've just got to go around again and just yeah. keep breathing life into into industry and it is up to leaders and innovators and entrepreneurs to not give up and to keep going and to and to use this time to perhaps pause and think uh, and we're doing it all the time here and certainly with 
associates that I have around the world, you know, we're always talking and we're using yeah. this time to talk. You've been talking to lots of people on Hospo Live. I see that yeah. daily. You're, you're, you're playing a big part in that with Vink Hospitality. So tell the listeners a little bit more about who you've spoken to, uh, what insights sure. you picked up and how it all began. Hospo Live is something that was dreamt up by a guy called James Haken and he's the CEO of Think Hospitality and he and I are on the Griff board together and uh, so we Griff we rules the world, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to get part, be part of the restaurant scene you need to be on the Griff panel come, by the sounds of things. Come and talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, James, James is a really clever guy and he and I have done some interesting projects and, uh, and if there's a Middle East project that comes through Think it, it hits my desk and um, so I'm an associate of that organisation. Almost overnight his diary was emptied. You know, he, very slowly the, the talks that he was doing around the world dried up and uh, projects dried up and stopped. He thought, gee, what, what on earth are we going to do? And he, with the guys over at Flow Hospitality, said, right. And, and I remember James Foamy said, well, I'm thinking about this idea called Hospo Live where we you know, just talk to the industry. You know, you're going to have a couple of million people from our industry sat at home and we need, we need to inspire, talk to them, reskill, upskill and motivate uh, our colleagues who are at home. Yeah, these are chefs and busboys and managers and F&B directors, you know. So, and he set it up, I'm not kidding you, within a couple of weeks or not even, you know, he had Hospo Live set up and every half, every, Monday to Friday, every half hour in the daytime, every other half hour, there's a session. So, um, you know, invariably Mark Stretton, you know, kicks it off with something very intelligent in the morning mm-hmm. and um, he'll talk to an industry leader. This morning, I, I did a session with Mert Askin, who's the CEO of Azadeo, which is a big retail and F&B uh, company here. And, and we were kind of reporting as to what's happening in, in the Middle East uh, to the UK. And, you know, we had uh, yesterday, we had Greg Wallace, you know, chef Greg Wallace. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. not a chef, is he? He's a barrow boy. He's a veg man. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's the master chef guru. Yeah. day before, we had Marcus Waring. Uh, a couple of days before that, we had Michelle Rue Jr. Extremely inspiring interviews. Wow. And, uh, you know, and every Tuesday, five o'clock, we play Spin the Bottle. You know, with a madman from Edinburgh. I can't remember Ian uh, from Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah, it's such fun. It really is. Do you know, honestly, I- I've learned so much from it. And just by talking to people, so, um, and it's by no stretch effort from me, uh, from my perspective, it's about going through the black book and saying, right, who can we get on next? Who can we yeah. talk to yeah. next? And I reckon we've had about half a million people viewing the videos we've got now. They're all on the Hospo Live Facebook page there for people to go back. And, I, and I'd really encourage people, especially the icon videos or, or the icon half hours that we have. They're really fascinating. The listeners have been asking for, you know, when you're speaking to these titans, get some tips off them. Let's concentrate on the restaurant market now. A restaurant owner in London having some difficulties right now, doesn't know what to do with his business. What would you advise? Speak to people fast. You know, yeah. reach out to the industry. Our industry is small. It's one global family. You know, and and over the years, we've been very protective over our recipes or our people or our brand or our design or whatever. Now, I've seen people just phoning up the nearest competitor. What is it you're doing? How are you protecting yourself? What have you done with the landlord? Yeah, what have you done with your people? And there's there's no question people are going to lose their jobs. There's no question there are restaurants that we love will never reopen. And we've got to, you said it, we've got to minimize the impact of that as much as possible. Mm. And um, everyone's in this together. You know, 
know, just go and talk to people. We're hearing more and more, aren't we, about mental struggles and stress. And I don't care how big and bold you are. You know, everybody suffers with anxiety at whatever level, whether it's level one or level 10. Everybody gets a little bit of anxiety, you know, and, and reach out and don't be afraid to say, yeah, how are you? Yeah, how are you dealing with that? You know, it's interesting. Last week, I had a message from a pal of mine, and then he Zoomed me, and I hadn't seen him for a long time. And he said to me, uh, he said, how are you, David? And I said, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And how are the kids? You know, I went on, I said, how are your kids? And how's go what's going on? And he said to me, he said, David, I'm asking how you are. It was such a throwaway comment before, like, how are you? You know, it, yeah. you, 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 cared, you cared, but now you actually mean it, yeah, for sure, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, and I think that's so important, and it, and it really meant a lot. You know, he's 4,000 miles away. He knew, yeah, I'm in Dubai, I'm on my own. It's not all that bad. But to ask someone how they are means a lot. People will remember how you behaved at times like this and how you talked to people, how you treated people. You said that businesses are at risk here. People are at risk. Livelihoods are at risk. Our health is at risk. Yeah. All of those things are at risk. Yeah. And do the right thing. Well, I think uh, I'm sure that people have found some morals and values that they will take with them now in business and in personal life. And after this pandemic, I hope that the nation in the UK and in Dubai, it's a... Uh, replicated there and around the world because it certainly will make the world a better place as well david it's been so lovely speaking to you before we go i want to ask you as i ask all of my titans what's the first thing you're going to do when this is all over do you know i was asked this just last night i was asked a question what restaurant are we going to go to and i said do you know what i want to sit around a table with my friends i want to break bread i want everyone to bring food that they've learned to cook over this time and let's enjoy our company, being together, putting my arms around someone and, and enjoying people's face-to-face -face company and, and having a right laugh. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. You talking like that, I couldn't think of anything better, actually. Being around people that you haven't seen, loved ones, yeah. friends, yeah. laughing, you know, seeing their faces and, you know, yeah. just getting back to normal life. It's yeah. going to be such a blissful moment for all of us. David, yeah. what is your social media handles and your email address? Because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people that want to get hold of you after this. Sure. At Singleton City is uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can get me, David Singleton, on LinkedIn. They're, they're the best places to find me. And I'm quite active on LinkedIn. My Twitter is a bit of fun for me, really. And Instagram is well, it's not so much of a gentle <laughs> capture of my journeys at the moment. <laughs> I'm doing a whole lot. <laughs> uh, but that, that, that's where people can find me. And uh, I'm always happy to talk to people in the industry as to whatever they want. And, uh, and, I, and I love meeting people as well. And this has been a great time to do that. I'm going to be bringing the Posh Conti podcast when this is all over to Dubai. So we'll actually, I'd like to do the interview and we'll video it as well. Maybe we can do it over that beautiful balcony of yours looking over the golf course, eh? Let's do it. No, we, we can do it. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Great to see you, Liam, and, uh, and great to see the Posh Cockney in action. And that was David Singleton. Thanks so much for coming on the show, David. That was incredible. What a journey and what a man. And it sounds like Dubai and the UAE have got things moving on nicely. And I hope it's the same for the rest of the world and we can get back to business very, very soon. That's the end of that show. So let's talk about this Friday. We've got Sarah Hyde on the show. Sarah is an old friend of mine from London Parties and she owns Hyde Agency. She's gone on to do some incredible things, especially going out to Dubai with the Mahiki brand. She's a very inspiring lady and I hope you'll enjoy that 
episode. And don't forget, we are still helping businesses around the country and the UK during the coronavirus. And if you'd like to be helped as well, drop us an email today. CV19help at poshcockney.co.uk. That's CV19help at poshcockney.co.uk. And before we go, here's a little message from our sponsors. As one of the UK's leading utility consultants, UtilityTrack help businesses spend less on their utilities. If you want to reach out to UtilityTrack, check their website out today. That's www.utilitytrack.co.uk. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at Liam Norval. And check out all the Posh Cockney pages as well. Hope everyone has a great week. And thanks again for the support, guys. See you later.